we come to God's word. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can abide in Jesus as we abide in his word. And Father, we uh, pray for ourselves now, Lord, that as we come to your word, you would clear our minds from all the distractions of the week, you fill our hearts with your truth, and that you would open our eyes to see the glory of Jesus. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. Well, if you're a Christian here today, um, I want to ask you a question, which is, how are you feeling about evangelism at the moment? How are you feeling about sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with those around you? I'm conscious that we've got a couple of um, evangelistic events coming up, but more generally than that, how do you feel about just generally your witness to family members, to colleagues in the office, to uh, neighbours that you bump into at the bins, friends at sports club. It may well be that you're feeling quite excited about that prospect, the chance to share with people the best news in the world. We're giving people an opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus, and we know God is mighty to save. So we think, yes. But it may well be that you're feeling a little bit down about it all at the moment. Perhaps you've been a Christian a while and you've tried. <laughs> the Lord knows you've tried. Sharing the gospel with friends, praying for them, colleagues. But you've seen so little fruit. Well, that's my experience too. You see, the thing is we know, don't we? We know that we believe in the power of the gospel. We know we believe in the power of God's word, the power of prayer to change lives. And, but yet, that doesn't always experience, uh, sort of match with our experience. It could be that uh, you're feeling a little bit burned from the holiday club <laughs> a few uh, a month back or so. Maybe it was a tough time. Maybe you're thinking, was it really worth that sacrifice? I didn't see much fruit in my group. They were quite a tough group. I wonder if I'll sign up again next year. Well, what I want us to see today from the Feast of Weeks, this harvest festival that the Jewish people in the Old Testament would celebrate every year, I want us to see that this Feast of Weeks gives us hope as we seek to be a community that shares the good news of Jesus to those around us. Because the Feast of Weeks tells us that the harvest, the spiritual harvest of God's people, has begun. Because God has graciously poured out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost on his church, that means he is now empowering his church to be witnesses for him to the gospel of Jesus. This spiritual harvest, this ingathering of God's people has started and is continuing even today. The harvest has begun, and that should give us hope and expectation as we seek to fulfill our mission to make disciples of every nation. The harvest has begun. And what we're going to do this morning is spend our time considering three big questions about the Feast of Weeks. I, this is kind of the only way in my mind to do it. There may well be a better way, but here's our way. Right, firstly, what is the Feast of Weeks? What did it mean for God's Old Testament people back then? Secondly, how is it fulfilled in Jesus? 
We have to do that. We can't just stay with the Old Testament uh, festival because we know from Colossians 2 that those Old Testament festivals were a shadow of the reality to come. It's like if I uh, walked in and it was a sunny day and uh, at the welcome desk, Charlotte saw my shadow on the floor and said, oh, welcome, shadow. So church, you're thinking, well, why look at the shadow when the reality, for all I'm worth, uh, (laughs) is here? The shadow points to reality. And that's what we've got to do. Let's see, how is this uh, festival fulfilled in the Lord Jesus and his work? And then lastly, the third question for us this morning is, well, what significance uh, does all this have for us here today as God's church in the 21st century? So firstly, what is the Feast of Weeks? Here's some general facts about it. The Feast of Weeks was celebrated um, generally at the beginning of the wheat harvest. Now, the last uh, uh, feast, the first fruits, was celebrated at the beginning of the barley harvest. I'm no farmer, but I know that barley is different from wheat. This is the wheat harvest at the beginning of spring, around May, June time. Now, it had other names as well. The Feast of Weeks was also known as the Feast of Harvest, or in the Hebrew word, Shavuot. Or, and this is a word maybe a bit more familiar to us as Christians, Pentecost. Because um, the, the, um, Pentecost means 50. Okay? And this uh, harvest, the Feast of Weeks, was to be celebrated exactly 50 days after the previous festival, which is the Feast of First Fruits. Okay? So after seven weeks plus one, 50. And the idea was that all the able-bodied Jewish men had to down their tools, stop harvesting, and travel a long way to Jerusalem, to the temple, to uh, celebrate and present offerings, first fruit offerings at the temple. Now, I've been watching a farming program uh, recently. It doesn't sound that exciting, but it's actually quite entertaining. And all I know from that is that when it's harvest time, it is go. It is everybody is working all day, possibly through the night. What you don't do is you don't down tools and go in on a pilgrimage. And yet that's what the Jews had to do every single day. Harvest is here. Let's get, let's get going. Right, we've harvested it. Right, down tools. We're off to Jerusalem to give thanks. And here are three key features about the Feast of Weeks. And these are the three features which we're going to kind of run through in those three questions. Firstly, it was all about praise for provision. Secondly, it gave hope for the harvest that was to come. And thirdly, it produced a community of kindness. So let's look at those in order on your sheets. Firstly, it was a praise for God's provision. Have a look with me at verse 15 of Leviticus 23. It says that God says, You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved made of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. 
you get the picture? The Jews were to celebrate and to praise God that he not only has saved them out of slavery in Egypt, but is now providing for them every day, every year. You see, he isn't a God who just saved them and then left them to it. And he's a God who saved them and is intimately involved in their lives day to day, providing, giving them all they need. That's the point, I think, of the priest who had to stand before the Lord with the two loaves of bread, one in each hand. I think um, th- these were made from the first, the first fruits of the wheat, the best flour. They made two loaves of bread. It was to give thanks to God and say, look, Lord, you are providing. You are, and my hands are full. Our hands are full with your provision. The other offerings, um, you may have noticed in the passage, were also a way of praising God for his gracious provision. The, the other food and drink offerings were a way of thanking God that he feeds them. The burnt offerings, you may have noticed, well, they were a way of thanking God that he doesn't only feed them, he also forgives them from their sin. Did anyone notice something a little bit strange about the bread? Leavened, right? They just spent the entire previous festival time getting rid of all the leaven. And here, yes, uh, these loaves have to be baked with leaven. Now, leaven in the Bible is often used as a picture of how sin spreads and infects all our lives. And so I wonder if the idea of here are two loaves with leaven in is the sort of recognition before God that we are infected with sin. And before God, we need forgiveness. Hence the burnt offerings, you see. He not only feeds them, he forgives them. And then the peace offerings there, I think, were a way of thanking God that he doesn't just feed them and forgive them, he also fellowships with them. Peace is the idea that they live in a relationship of peace with God because of his provision, of his forgiveness. So do you see, at the heart of the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament was this idea of praise for provision. Praise not to themselves for being smart and diligent and working hard, No, thanks and praise to God for his generous provision every day, every year. Secondly, we see uh, the Feast of Weeks um, gave hope for the harvest that was to come. Um, A while back, I think we were given um, some strawberry plants uh, for our little garden. And, uh, you know, we nurtured them and watered them and did things, put nets, stopped slugs. And I remember the day we got very, very excited when the first little, tiny little thing, red strawberry came. And the reason we got very excited is because it was a a sign of what was to come. Strawberries are on the way. Get the cream and sugar. You see, that's the idea here. The first fruits of the harvest were being waved before God to raise their hopes, to raise expectations of the great harvest that was to come. Much, much more to come. I think that's why in verse 21, at the end of the passage, the day was to be a holy convocation. Did you notice that? They were to do no ordinary work. Because I think, again, it was a way of saying, Lord, this harvest to come isn't dependent on us and our strength, but it's on our work. 
No, it's dependent on you, Lord. You're bringing in the harvest. You're the provider. You're the power. So the Feast of Weeks also gave hope of the great harvest that was to come. And then thirdly, uh, the Feast of Weeks produced a community of kindness. Just have a look at verse 22 at the very end of the passage. Tempting to leave out these uh, uh, verses because it didn't really fit, but actually I think they have a lesson for us. Verse 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings, the sort of bits that you've dropped after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Some of you, as you're reading that, may well be thinking of the book of Ruth. Do you remember how she, she gleaned behind Boaz and his men as they harvested the, the wheat harvest? This is where it comes from. It's here in God's law. He says, look, leave the edges for the poor. Leave the gleanings so that those who are, have less than you can, can benefit, be blessed. And you see, I think that this um, teaches the people that as they receive the generous provision of God, as they recognize that generous provision, that should make them generous and kind to those around them, particularly those who have much less than them. It's a rather beautiful picture, isn't it? Provision here for the poor. So the Feast of Weeks taught them to be a community of kindness. But now we have to move on. So that was, that was the Old Testament festival, beautiful and wonderful, teaching us amazing things. But we now have to think, well, how is that festival fulfilled in Jesus? How does the Feast of Weeks, which had praise for provision, hope for the harvest to come, and creating a community of kindness, well, how does that point to the Lord Jesus? Because, actually, we have seen, haven't we, how all the festivals so far have been fulfilled in Jesus. Do you remember uh, the first one, Passover? How that was uh, fulfilled in, in Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross as the Passover lamb. How Jesus took the judgment that his people deserve so that God's judgment may pass over them because he shed his blood. His blood protects us from God's wrath. That's part of it, fulfilled on Good Friday. Then, three days later, there was the Feast of First Fruits, wasn't there? And do you remember how this was fulfilled? Fulfilled at the resurrection of Jesus, happening on the same days. Teaching us that in Jesus rising from the dead, he was like the first fruits of the church. The first of the God's family who would follow after Jesus with, uh, to be raised to eternal life. I think it's really cool the way Jesus fulfills the calendar. <laughs> I never really thought of that before. I know these are individual prophecies and things like that, but the whole yearly cycle of the Old Testament people of God, that calendar was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. I think that's amazing. Because, yeah, you know your calendar, says Jesus, that's about me. But now we think about, what about the Feast of Weeks, what we've been considering today? How is that fulfilled in Jesus? Well, I want us to come to Acts 2. Come to Acts 2 with me. Uh, that's on page 1096. 1096.
And we're really going to spend the rest of our time here uh, today. So have a look with me at Acts chapter 2, just verse 1 to 4. Let me read this for us. When the day of Pentecost arrived, or you could say the day of the Feast of Weeks, they, that's the apostles, were all in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, we see at the day of Pentecost, and Pentecost is just the Hebrew word for 50, after the ascension of Jesus, this wonderful provision of God, provision of the Holy Spirit to his people. Provision of the Holy Spirit to indwell every believer. The Holy Spirit who then empowered the apostles to preach the gospel and who still empowers us, his people, Today. You see this gracious outpouring, this gracious provision of the Lord on the day of Pentecost, the very day of the Feast of Weeks, pouring out his Spirit on his church, providing the power. But not only the power, but also the forgiveness of sins. Just have a look across the page, I think, to verse 36. It's Peter's sermon. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, that's Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they, were, when they heard this, those listening, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See this wonderful provision of God fulfilled at Pentecost? Not only the provision of his Holy Spirit to empower their witness, but the provision of forgiveness of sins for all who would, who would believe, all who would repent and be baptized. Secondly, we see at Pentecost the fulfillment in the hope for the harvest to come. This is the second thing. You see, the day of of Pentecost was the birth of the church. Um, if you like, the first fruits of the church that was to come down through the ages, where God is harvesting in all of his elect who would hear of Jesus and put their trust in him. Just look at verse 41 with me of Acts 2. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You see, the first fruits of the spiritual harvest God is bringing in. The first fruits saying there's much, much more to come. And actually, as you read on in the book of Acts, you realize that this harvest of God bringing in his people not only included Jewish believers, oh no, this was to be a global enterprise, a global harvest not only for Jews, but also for Gentiles, those who were not of the Jewish faith. So this harvest would be a global harvest. Does anybody remember in the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament how many loaves the priest had to wave? Two, right? 
I'm not entirely sure about this, but I slightly wonder if that's a symbolic of the fact that there are two people groups that God is bringing together to save believers from the Jews, believers from the Gentiles, or believing in the Lord Jesus, being united in him. At Pentecost, we see, back here in Acts 2, that the harvest has begun, and there is much, much more to come. And thirdly, we see at the day of Pentecost, a community of kindness is created. Just have a look down at verse 42 with me. We'll cover this quite quickly, but get the picture here of the kind of community that was created that day at Pentecost. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. You see? The gospel produced produced a community of kindness, a people who were generous and kind with one another because they knew the generosity and kindness of God in Jesus. So the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament, fulfilled at the day of Pentecost. But what about us here today? Because Pentecost was over 2,000 years ago. What about us here today? What's the significance of the Feast of Weeks for us? Same things. No surprise. Firstly, it should make us praise God for his generous and gracious provision to us. You know, I wonder how much do we praise God for, his, for the provision of salvation in the Lord Jesus? You know, we all have problems, don't we, that we carry, burdens. And, and it's, it's easy to kind of get fixated on those problems, right? And, and it's not wrong to always pray for them and, and think about it. They do occupy our minds. That we can't help it. But let's not forget to remember and thank God for all he has done for us, all he has given us in the Lord Jesus, even given us his son who shed his blood for us at the cross. How could we forget that despite our problems? How much do we praise him for his daily sustaining of us? The things we have. I know there's things we want, right? There's always more we want. The next thing and the next thing. How much do we pause to give thanks for what he has given us? What he has provided? And how much do we praise God for not leaving us alone in this world? For his generous outpouring of the Holy Spirit to, to, to be with us, to be uh, another, another Jesus in us and with us all the time. Not leaving us alone in this dark world, but has his very presence with us, who empowers us to live and speak for Jesus every day. You know, if you're, if you're like me, do you find it hard to keep trying to share the gospel um, with, with those around, around me and, and you? Especially when it feels like we're living in an age where there's very little fruit um, it seems as the ground is hard in the UK 
And, and when it seems impossible, actually we can lift our eyes and know that um, we can praise God. He hasn't left us to do it on our own. There's a helper, the Holy Spirit. You know, <clears throat> one, of the, um, uh, one of the games we used to play at camp, do you still play this? Uh, it's called Crocker. Um, there's no recognition out <laughs> uh, it, It's basically a very simple bat and ball game, okay? And, uh, you know, you, someone throws the ball and then the person with the cricket bat has to hit it, okay? That's the idea. And if you hit your bales, you're out. It's basically cricket. And what's lovely on those uh, camps is that there are often um, families attending the camp with, with very young children. And um, the, the very young children, they're not old enough to be you know, members of, on the camp, but they're still around and they're with their, their parents uh, helping inside. And what's lovely is that in the game of Crocker, they often want to join in, which is very sweet. Um, and, you know, you get this little four-year-old or something, and they take this huge, huge bath. And, uh, and what's so nice is that quite often, uh, maybe the dad would come and sort of hold, you know, the, the child is holding the bat, but he would, he would hold over the hands of the child, yeah? And so the, the, the ball came in, the ball would come in, and, and, the, and the boy would swing, with what little skill and power he has, but because the dad's got his hands on, on, over there, he just absolutely smashes it, and the ball flies, and the boy's like, look what I did! Of course, it wasn't the power and the skill of the boy. It was the fact that as he was engaged in that, his father's hands were over his. And I wonder if that's a little bit of the sense we get here. You know, we struggle. We're so weak to share the gospel, but we've got God's hands over us, empowering the shot, as it were. It should give us cause for praise for provision of the powerful Holy Spirit. But secondly, it should give us hope and expectation of the harvest to come. You see, the harvest has begun. Brothers and sisters, God has started the ingathering of his people to Jesus. It started 2,000 years ago at the day of Pentecost, and it is still continuing today. Look around you. He's gathered us in. Why can't he gather others? He will. He will, he will gather all his elect. Not a single one will be lost. And he's not going to stop until every single one of his people has been saved. That should give us hope, shouldn't it? Maybe you're feeling a bit down and despondent about evangelism at the moment. But Pentecost should give us real hope not to give up. The first fruits are in. There is so much more to come. So let's get harvesting. Matthew 9, 38, do you remember? We need to pray that God will raise up more harvesters for this harvest field because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I'm constantly feeling that. I'm like, do we have enough people for this ministry? Do we have enough people? For and actually, you know, I'm always praising God for how wonderful our church family is and how much they sacrifice and serve. But at the same time, we're, we're always desperate for more helpers, more harvesters. Because it's true that there's so much work to do, so much more we could do, so much more harvesting to do. Let's get harvesting. Thirdly, it should make us a community of kindness. See, as we dwell on God's generosity to us in the Lord Jesus and his Holy Spirit, that should cause us to be generous with those around us and kind. I think in three main ways. 
Uh, we should be generous with the gospel. We should be generous with our goods. And we should be generous, and I try to think of a way of putting this, but we should be generous with our grievances with one another. Let me just rattle through them quickly. Firstly, generous with the gospel. You know, we have the best news in the world. Are we going to keep that to ourselves? Or are we going to be generous and share it with others? Are we generous with our time with the church family? We give up our time that we might gospel one another and come to things and serve and talk to people and minister. Are we generous with the gospel? Are we generous with our goods? You know, we live in a world that is grabbing all the time, don't, don't we? Mine, mine, mine. But when we know the generous, gracious provision of God, that kind of lets, helps to let go of our stuff and to be generous with others, just like they were in the Feast of Weeks. Especially with those in the church family who are worse off than us. Generosity. And then, are we generous with our grievances? And what I mean by that is, it is just true that from time to time, you know, we're, we're sinners, aren't we? Uh, saved sinners, wonderfully, but still sinners. And we sometimes hurt each other. And we say, we're just clumsy with our words, maybe, and we say the wrong thing, might even do the wrong thing sometimes. And actually, what this causes us to do is be generous with our grievances. When somebody does something that really offends you, and they're, you know, a brother or sister in Christ in church family, what are you going to do at that point? Well, one path is that you sort of harbor that grievance. You sort of nurse it, and maybe even hold on to it for years. Just subtly avoid them on a Sunday. That's not the way, brothers and sisters. No, we're to be generous with our grievances. We know the forgiveness of God in Christ. How can we withhold that forgiveness from another? No, the right path is to forgive as we've been forgiven. And that heals and maintains that community of kindness, doesn't it? You see, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, should make us a people who, number one, praise God for his provision, two, have a hope for the harvest to come, and, th and thirdly, are a community of kindness. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here today. Well, if that's you, that's wonderful you're here hearing these things. My question to you is, why not turn to the Lord Jesus today? Why not? Won't you let him gather you in to his harvest, his kingdom? Won't you experience the joy and wonder of being um, provided for a wonderful saviour, the Holy Spirit to live within you and to join a community of kindness that is, and I speak absolutely honestly, the community of the church is like any other, is not like any other community you will find on earth. The kindness and the generosity and the love. Join with us as we, by God's grace, bring in the harvest. And of course, there is a day coming, isn't there, when the harvest will be finished. The day when God, by his Holy Spirit, has reached every one of his elect through, through the gospel. And then the Lord Jesus will return in great power and glory and with all his angels and from the four corners of the earth, gather in that final harvest. The Feast of Weeks will really be fulfilled that day as the harvest is gathered in 
And God takes people from every people and nation and tribe and tongue to worship around the throne forever. Yes, the Feast of Weeks one day will be fully fulfilled when this world ends and eternity starts. Are you discouraged in your evangelism at the moment? Remember the Feast of Weeks because the harvest has only just begun. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, how we thank you and praise you this wonderful picture in the Old Testament, the Feast of Weeks. Help us, Father, to praise you for your provision. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that because of Pentecost, the first fruits, there is hope for the harvest to come. Help us, Lord, as we're discouraged in our witness. And Father, we thank you that the gospel creates a community of kindness. May we be those who are generous with the gospel, generous with our goods, and generous with our grievances. And may others coming in among us feel that and experience that community of kindness, and may that draw them in to know Jesus better. In his name we pray. Amen.